Welcome to Talk to the Hands. I'm Kathleen Brack, and in this podcast, we're going to look at the story of over 3,000 acres of degraded marshy farmland, about 10 minutes south of Sale, three hours east of Melbourne, and how it was restored into one of the largest privately managed wetlands in Australia. These wetlands were called the Heart Morass. And the people who restored it? Let's just say a group of people I really, really didn't associate with the environment. My name's Matt Bowler. I work for the West Gippsland Catchment Management Authority. I've been involved in the Hartmorass project for 10 years. The Hartmorass is a massive wetland system on the edge of Sale. It's right below where the Thompson and Latrobe rivers come together. It's 3,000 acres of restoration project. Okay, so it's an amazing place at the moment, but it wasn't always like this. So can you tell me in the last 50 years, what was it? What was it used for? It's historically being drained and grazed and burnt and affected by the salt from the Gippsland Lakes and the lack of water coming down. Sale is a large town right on the edge of these wetland systems and the area is surrounded by wetlands and, and all of these birds come in seasonally. Like hunting has been a huge part of that area well, for thousands of years, first with the Indigenous people but then secondly with the um, European culture. Growing up, our whole family were hunters, so I sort of grew up with that association of duck opening weekend. Dad and his brothers went down to the Heart Morass and that's where they shot. This is Dan Cook. Dan and I work together. His passion for the, the outdoors has probably come from his time spent hunting deer and ducks. His family have been going to the Heart Morass for decades for the opening weekend of duck season. It's kind of been, I guess it's been a bit of a family kind of a tradition that every year uh, or many years we've gone down there. And I know from our family's perspective and a lot of families and a lot of people that have gone down there for a long time, there's a real, uh, I guess, identity and connection to the land. For decades, Victoria has had a duck season and the, the size and scale of the duck season and the bag limit of ducks that you can take on any given day is set each year based on the populations. Because it's been happening for decades, I think there's a, an excitement that builds um, towards that opening weekend and, and there's a lot of traditional um, camps and things that are set up on opening weekend and to be honest, I mean, a lot of people come together, families get together. In about the mid-80s, when I was sort of around about eight or nine, Dad started taking me down to the, the property sitting with him in um, in the hide, you know, closer to the edge and get me used to um, to being a part of the hunting aspect of it all. It was just open and dry. There wasn't much vegetation. The big remnant gums, of course, were there. You know, massive clumps of blackberry that was, you know, some places 10 foot high with a, a bit of a track where cattle had fought their way through to get to the river. Well, they, they were connected to those wetlands just by hunting annually in the duck season. And what I enjoy is their, their real connection because they've spent time in the swamp. There's not many people who want to get up many times a year and wander around in a swamp. It's through their connection to hunting that a lot of these people developed a love of wetlands. And I think Field and Game Australia actually started as much to protect wetlands as it was to promote hunting and ducks. And you know, the, the duck hunters were the first ones to say, hang on, they, all these large swamps are being drained and, and cleared and we're losing all this habitat. Field Game Australia now is a national organisation with approximately 17,000 members. 
The sale branch itself now, I can proudly say, is the biggest branch in Australia. The sale branch is very active in wetland conservation. Most of these reserves in the Gippsland area you would not have if it wasn't for hunters. This is Gary Howard. Gary grew up in Sale and has been shooting for most of his life. I started seriously hunting ducks when I was about 17 and as soon as I got a licence, a driver's licence where I could look after myself, I was all over the place. So yes, I I can remember, you know, many trips to uh, the likes of Dowds and Clydebank and Lake Reeve and the Hart Morass. The Hart Morass was privately owned but the landholders were always happy to let you in if you asked and presented yourself well, there was never an issue. Um, So yes, I visited the Hart and hunted it many times. Dragged along to a field and game meeting one night and from then on I was fortunate enough to get an education, you know, conservation and the fact that if you're going to hunt a species, you need to conserve it. Well, I met Gary when I first drove in the gate of the Hart Morass in 2006 but it was his sort of energy, I suppose, that really initiated um, the project. Field and Game had always dreamed of owning their own land, right? And we'd set up a wetlands purchase fund, which is called the the Wetlands Environmental Task Force. So that was set up to raise funds to buy a wetland. Not necessarily the heart at that stage. It was, let's buy a wetland somewhere and put some of our thoughts into practice. And they purchased the first property in the Hart Morass in 2006. And that was at the end of the 14 years of no flooding and the, what they call the millennial drought. The, the first property we purchased was uh, put on the market, failed to sell at auction and we were able to make uh, an offer after the auction and purchased about 1,980 acres in the first purchase, or $1.2 million. So from the very start, we set up this MOU or Memorandum of Understanding between the partners that even though the... Field and Games Trust had purchased the land. It was agreed from the start that we would work together and manage the the wetland uh, restoration project as a group. But they also employed me initially for two days a week to write a restoration plan. So do you remember the first time you went to the Hart Morass? Is that when I, you met Gary? I remember the first time I went to the Hart Morass because I'd heard about this wetland that I was going to uh, help uh, write a management plan for and, and I'd seen it on maps and aerial photos but to drive in that front gate in 2006 was quite confronting because it literally was a salty dust bowl and I thought what have I got myself into my initial involvement was to write a restoration plan so we basically just broke the property up into smaller chunks we called them restoration project areas and we wrote a list of things that should happen at each site a large majority of the work to improve the Hart Morass has been undertaken by Field and Game members. I can only imagine that the Field and Game volunteers have probably put in millions of dollars of volunteer hours. This is Dan again. Yeah, so Field and Game, typically the volunteer type stuff that they'll do down there can range anywhere from weed spraying to vegetation management. They do a bit of slashing of exotic grasses and those types of things. Um, recently they had some grazing trials in there. Uh, and they assisted with the management of that, you know, anything from putting up signs to um, track maintenance. To be honest, field and game, I couldn't think of a better partner because we have a field day and, you know, 80 people turn up with, you know, uh, machinery. I represent the field and game on the management committee. Generally beyond that, I take the the role of overseeing what's happening and organising what's happening, whether it be 
the track maintenance, tree planting, sort of take the role in organising the group. And f- fortunately, you know, I've got good hardcore people that are like myself that are retired and still relatively fit, so we do a fair bit of work during the week. And then if we want to have a major working bee, I can organise it. I can get 40 or 50 members there all looking to help. So why all the enthusiasm? Well, it's likely that their deep connection with the place ultimately leads to place-protecting actions. Plus, they have a direct understanding of why the heart needs to be healthy. This enthusiasm from volunteers is not unique. A 2015 American study found both hunters and birdwatchers were four to five times more likely than non-recreationists to engage in conservation behaviours. In Australia, it's quite polarised, this idea of you're either a hunter or uh, an environmentalist. Whereas around the world, a lot of the, from what I've learned, a lot of the the biggest and um, best environmental uh, restoration projects have been hunters have often been involved. Field and Game Australia members also value the heart enough to pay for it. So during duck season there's actually a limit to the amount of people who can access at any given time so that's set by the local field and game um, branch depending on the water levels and and what they think is sustainable. They purchase a key and it allows them um, open access to the property for 12 months and it's only open to duck hunting during the the duck hunting season Um, but they can go there and camp and fish and there's requirements on where they can camp and they can't they can can't take chainsaws on the property and that gives us our money to maintain the property insurance um, you know chemicals gravel for the track anything we need fencing material I'm John Caldo and I'm the program director of Bug Blitz Trust We've had about 6,000 students at the Heart Morass through programs now. Bug Blitz is a cool organisation which is set up basically to educate kids about biodiversity and they've been involved the whole way along. We've had every school in the Wellington district, we've worked with every school, uh, doing education programs there for so long to see the restoration as it's evolved has just been a really fantastic experience to see it grow back into a healthy, flourishing wetland. Been amazing. One of Field and Game Australia's goals is to educate the community on the importance of the environment. Bug Blitz is now a key partner and is working with Field and Game Australia to run field days on biodiversity. We think that um, if we build the skills in children to monitor biodiversity and to be connected and interested in the first place, that will put them in good stead for future decision-making, which they're going to be doing. They will be managing things. This is Erin Nowak, who also works for Bug Blitz. So we've often even get the students out on GPS trails, out actually on the wetland when it's dried up, and they're often out there and they're in the mud and they're looking around and they're seeing birds and they're just totally blown away that this is in their back doorstep. A lot of the children and the parents aren't aware that that's there, and it's them connecting with nature and they're getting dirty and they're looking for life and um, it's a really incredible spot to have just here. I've driven around the property and I've been quite lucky to go out little boats on the property and see so much work and the I think I've really noticed is the conservation work that Field and Game do. As I said, I know a lot of people are anti-duck shooting and um, but I sort of, I have this mentality being a vegetarian myself but they... Uh, the three months of the year that they do that, um, the nine months of the year, the conservation work and the care and the restoration work that goes in um, for other migratory birds and other wildlife um, is just 
through the roof, actually. And I think a lot of people, unless you go and see it yourself, um, you can sit back and say, they're shooters and this and that and they don't know what they're doing. And if you don't go down there and see the work and the restoration and the care, and they're all nature lovers, they all generally have more understanding of nature than most people that I know, actually. So, um, yeah, so a lot of people think it's a funny partnership and an odd partnership, but um, I think we really kind of balance each other, actually, like that. So, Coming in from the outside, a lot of people... Um, are amazed that we've had hunters environmentalists working together on the one project and the best thing is we've had that from the the start i think both uh groups and and myself and every other partner can see that the benefits outweigh any minor differences i mean ducks need healthy habitat by restoring the healthy healthy habitat we have lots more ducks we also have spoonbills and egrets and seagulls and eels and uh, all the biodiversity of the bugs, which the kids from Bug Blitz um, test. So I think what needs to be recognised is that there's a huge overlap when you restore an environment. And if hunters you know, get a little sustainable harvest once a year, depending on the rules in Victoria, that's only a small portion of what their involvement and what the project is. I talk to a lot of people now who have changed their mind about hunting, and in particular duck hunting. Uh, have a better understanding, or they may not like it, but they now have a better understanding of the relationship between hunters and conservation. That's it for this episode of Talk to the Hands. A giant thank you to everyone who contributed to the podcast, including Matt Bowler, Gary Howard, Dan Cook, John Caldo and Erin Nowak. As always, thanks to the West Gippsland CMA for their super support of the podcast. Thanks for listening.